Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Good evening, Glad Tidings. Come on, why don't you turn to like three, turn to five people and tell them it's good to see you tonight. Lots of love in the room, lots of love in the room. Amen. Hey, we're going to dive right into the scripture uh, tonight. We're going to be continuing uh, in our study in the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, Pastor Tyler did a great job going through that in in chapter 5 last week. And we're going to be continuing here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And so we're going to go right in. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to open your Bibles, follow along with me, get something to write with, and let's take some notes and let's lean in to the Word of God tonight. Come on, aren't we thankful that the Word of God is so transformative and powerful, man, that as we continue to study and get into the Word, how it changes our life. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is addressing the church of Corinth. And he's here talking in verse 1, and he says, as God's partners. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Okay, before I go through all of the verses in chapter 6, I want to give a little context just in case you missed or forgot uh, what chapter 5 was talking about when Paul was talking to the church of Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, uh, we read, Paul is writing, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, come on, do we have any people in the house today that belong to Christ? He says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift. Somebody say gift. All of that is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Come on, I'm thankful for that. And he gave us this wonderful message of, recon- of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All of that is a gift. Somebody say a gift. Let's fast forward 2 Corinthians chapter 6. When Paul says, as God's partners, or in chapter 5, he says, ambassadors, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness, which is our reconciliation through Christ, so that we can walk and have relationship with God. Amen? That's the gift that Paul is talking about here. I want, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Partner with God. He's opening chapter 6 with this, with this relationship. It's like a relationship status, right? Uh, 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 be ambassadors with God. Be a partner with God. You see, he, he's talking about having a relationship, and then he's saying, not only do I want you to partner with God, but please, I beg you. I think if Paul is begging the, begging the church to not do something, we should pay some attention to it, right? He says, I beg you, don't just accept this gift, the gift of, 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 of salvation, the gift of reconciliation. He says, don't just accept this gift and then ignore it. Now, I, I wonder, like, that, that is a difficult thing for me to understand tonight. That one 
can receive the gift of eternal life, reconciliation, the peace of God, the joy of God, the power of God. Your life can be transformed. You can receive the gift that great and still ignore it. And here's Paul addressing the church of Corinth, saying, please, I beg you, not only are we partners, we're supposed to be ambassadors with God, but I beg you, don't just accept the gift and then ignore it. You hearing me tonight? You see, I think that there are gifts that that God has given us that we might be ignoring. There were gifts that the church of Corinth had received, the, the gift of reconciliation, the revelation and the truth that was found in Christ. They had been given that message. They had accepted it, but then they were ignoring it. Please, I beg you today, don't accept the gift of God and then ignore it. You see, now is the right time for you to start benefiting from the gift that God has. If we continue to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says this, for God says, at just the right time, somebody say the right time. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation, and we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry and everything we do. We show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten. We have been put in prison. We have faced angry mobs. We have been worked to exhaustion. We have endured sleepless uh, nights. We have gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us and we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. God wants us to partner with him in this journey. God wants us to be ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Pastor Tyler was walking through that with us last week in chapter 5. As we declare the word of the Lord, you are an ambassador for Christ. As you have accepted salvation in your life, as your life has been impacted by this gospel truth, that Jesus came, died for your sins, was resurrected on the third day. Come on. We were declaring that creed, that the Apostles' Creed. And we, we believe and declare in the Holy Spirit, if you're walking in that revelation, then we are to be ambassadors with God. We are supposed to be partners with Christ. And not only are we to be partnered with God, but we're supposed to be using the gift that he's given us. You see, one of my favorite holidays in the entire world is Christmas. How many of you guys love Christmas? Now, one of the great things about Christmas is not only the food and the family and and everything that we get to do, but I love to get gifts for Christmas. Anybody here love to receive gifts for Christmas? Amen? Right? Now, here's the conundrum, right? What, What Paul is talking about to the church of Corinth is this. They had received a gift and didn't open it. They had gifts. It's two weeks past Christmas and the gifts are still sitting under the tree and you're just ignoring it. Like, I wouldn't do that. I love Christmas. I'm opening my gifts. If I can open them on Christmas Eve, I I am, okay? And here's the Apostle Paul talking to the church in 2 Corinthians 6 to the church of Corinth. And he's saying, I beg you, don't just receive the gift and then ignore it. Let me put this in practical terms for you, right? If God has given you a gift, don't let it sit under the tree. Don't let it sit in your life. 
Don't let it just sit as a memory of what God wants to do in your life. Open the gift that God has given you. Not only have we been saved by grace, but some of you have a gift to teach. Some of you have a gift to be prophetic. Some of you have a gift for healing. Some of you have a gift for finance. Some of you have a gift for administration. Come on. God has given gifts to everybody in the room tonight. I beg you, as a minister of the gospel, don't just receive the promise of God. Don't just receive the gift of God. But what Paul is saying, is we need to partner with him as ambassadors with Christ and use the gift. Turn to two people and say, it's time to use the gift. What if I told you that by you using your gift, people around you will be even more blessed than, my, than you would even expect? Here's another practical example. One of the greatest gifts I've ever been able to benefit from, been blessed by, wasn't even given to me directly. It was given to my wife. A couple years ago, my wife wanted a KitchenAid mixer. Any ladies uh, that have a, a, a KitchenAid? I think that's what it's called, right? It's a KitchenAid mixer. You know, you know they look great on countertops. Um, but my wife actually uses this thing, right? So her sister, a couple years ago, bought my wife a KitchenAid mixer. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize that the thing that she wanted, the thing that would bless her, would then in return bless me. As you could tell, I'm a very, very blessed man in that area. Amen. Lots of cookies and cakes come from my house because my wife loves to use that KitchenAid mixer. What if I told you that there are gifts that God has placed in your life that when you begin to use them, the people around you will be affected? That, that as you walk in the blessing, as you walk partnered with God, as you begin to use the gift inside you, come on, when you begin to walk in the salvation of God for your life, that your family will actually begin to be impacted. As you walk in the freedom of Christ that, that God has given you through his blood, come on, the people around you will begin to be blessed and be affected by it. Why? Because the gift that God gave you wasn't just for you, but it's going to be for the people around you. And this is why Paul is begging the church, don't just take the gift and accept it and ignore it. Because he knew it wasn't going to just be detrimental for the individual, but for the community. I wonder what would happen in Ocoee and Winter Garden and West Orange County if there was a church that said, not only am I going to receive what God has for me, but I'm going to start using the very gift he's given me. Come on, do we have any people in the house tonight that want to use the gifts that God has given us tonight? 2 Corinthians 6, 2, God says this. He says, just the right time, at just the right time. Pastor's been uh, preaching our last sermon series, right? It's the time is now. Turn to two people, tell them the time is now. Now is the right time. Today is the day of salvation. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. It's the right time. It's the right time. You see, salvation not only means saved, but when you read it in the Greek, that word is soteria. And that word soteria is the same word also used for deliverance. It's used for preservation and it's used for safety. I want to declare over your life as we're leaning into the word today that Paul is telling the church today is the day of salvation Today is the day of your deliverance. Today is the day of your preservation or maintenance or, or, or how about this? Whatever it is you need for you to walk forward in God, God's going to give it to you. 
Today's the day of safety. Come on, maybe the enemy's been trying to get to you and attack you. But don't you know that our God is greater than any attack of the enemy? He's not only going to provide for you, but he's going to protect you. He's going to take you out of the pit, the miry clay. Set your feet on the solid ground. Today is the day. It's the right time. Now is the time. Let's partner with God. Let's use the gift that God has given us. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, today is the day. Friends, I beg you, don't sit on that gift. Don't sit on a gift of freedom. Don't sit on a gift of safety. Don't sit on a gift of perseverance. Don't sit on a gift of of transformation and ignore it. I promise you, we don't want to do that. I love what Psalms 91 says. He says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it should not come near you. Come on, I want to declare that whatever's been happening into your life, whatever attack, whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever the world's been saying, come on, I want to declare Psalms 91 over your life. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. Come on, do we have any people tonight who has made the Lord, the God most high, our dwelling place tonight. We've made him our dwelling place. We've made him our refuge. No evil shall fall before you, nor shall any plague come near you. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. There's such a great contrast in Psalms 91. I want you to write that in your, 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 your notes tonight. Write down Psalms 91, verses 7 to 16, and then go back and, 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 and do a contrast, a comparison with 2 Corinthians 6. This is what Psalms 91 says here. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him what? My salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God wants his church to partner with him. Stop ignoring what God is trying to do in your life. Stop listening to the little voice in the enemy saying that you're not good enough. I love how Pastor Tyler opened up service. Maybe if you're dealing with condemnation or or you were dealing with something, come on, today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of deliverance. Stop ignoring the freedom that God wants to give you. Somebody say amen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's this next verse in verse 4. Paul says, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure. I want you to write that down tonight. Patiently endure. And I'm going to camp here just for a few minutes because I think that this is so important that we as, as a people of God have to learn how to patiently endure. I think if we can learn anything in the last couple years, we can't go by what social media says. We can't go by what our world leaders are saying. But we just have to learn how to patiently endure and put our faith and trust in the Lord. I'm not concerned with what the world is telling me. My, my, my trust comes from the Lord. My faith is in he who saved me, come on, and has given me eternal life. I think if our church can benefit from anything in 2022, it's going to be to learn how to patiently endure. 
You see, this is what Paul says in verse 4. We patiently endure what? Troubles and hardships. Calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and we've gone without food. I don't know about you, but I would categorize that as a rough day. Paul is saying we have to patiently endure. This is something that Paul was exercising in his life. You see, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this. When we think of patiently enduring, we think of it as a passive thing. The ability to sit around and wait for something to happen. And that is not the idea of the word that Paul is trying to convey to his church here in Corinth. It is an active endurance. It is something that you have to actively participate in instead of just waiting and sitting with your hands crossed and, and your legs crossed just waiting for something to happen to you. No, it's a patient endurance. It's, it's not about being idle. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's about being able to keep pace. Patient endurance is not waiting for life to happen to you. Patient endurance is you being able to keep pace with what's going on in the world because your faith is in the Lord. It's in you being able to endure even though you may be put in prison. You're not just going to wait. You're just not going to sit there, but maybe we're going to be like Paul and Silas, and we're going to raise a worship in the atmosphere. We're not going to wait for, for them to come and say, hey, you're free, but we're just going to worship the Lord, and we're going to believe in the Lord, and we're going to put our faith in him and our trust in him, and just maybe if we worship and we pray and we are patiently enduring, we will see some breakthrough in our life. Let me encourage you, church, that there may be some things you're walking through in your, in your life, and what the word is teaching us is that there are some seasons that we have to learn not to be idle, but we have to learn to keep the pace of grace in our life. We have to learn to keep up with the pace of the word of the Lord in our life. We have to learn how to be patiently, I want to say endurant, but I don't think endurance is a word. We have to learn how to patiently endure. We got to learn how to be patient. You see that, that word patient in the Greek is hupomone. And the root word of that word means to sit under some discipline. Somebody say discipline. You see, church, we need to learn how to sit under some discipline sometimes. We've got to exercise some disciplines in our life. That word in the Greek, when you translate it, it means the ability to endure when circumstances are difficult. It's not a passive sitting down or bearing things, but it's a triumphant facing of them so that even out of evil, something good can happen out of it. You know what I think about when, when, I, when I read that definition? Romans 8, 28. That God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know what I think about that? That Paul is telling his church, we have to patiently endure through calamities, through the shipwrecks, through the storm, through, even though we're being beaten, even though we're being thrown in prison, even though the world can throw everything it can. We're going to be patiently enduring. We're going to have the endurance to go through every circumstance. Why? Because we're ambassadors with Christ. Why? Because we've got this gift of deliverance and freedom. Why? Because Paul is encouraging us to patiently endure we've been beaten we've been put in prison we've faced angry mobs we've worked to exhaustion we've endured sleepless nights sleepless nights and we've gone without food you know when, when i when i first wrote this teaching hour or the, or, or the sermon uh i first called it uh hard knock and holy 
And I was thinking of Andy, you know, it's a hard knock life. I'm not going to sing because I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't really sing. But when I, when, when, when I read Paul talking about all of these things, when, when, when he's saying, man, I've been beaten for the gospel. I've been put in prison. I've, I've worked to exhaustion. I've faced angry mobs. He's literally running for his life. He's been shipwrecked. He's, he had a snake bite him. Come on, somebody. He's endured sleepless nights. He's gone without food. I'm thinking, man, this guy's really had a hard knock life. He's gone through some stuff. And, and, and I went and I, I looked up what it means to actually uh, be a, a hard knock. And, and it means this. It means to have been marked by difficult or painful experiences or circumstances. Anybody here ever had like a hard knock life? Anybody relate? We could all sing it together if you have. No, I'm just kidding. A hard knock, somebody who's what? Who's been marked by difficult or painful experiences or circumstances. See, I wanted to call it hard knock and holy, but when I looked at, at this chapter in the New King James Version, the, the, the chapter opened up as being marked. And then the second part is holy. And so tonight I, was just, I just titled it Marked and Holy. So if you're taking notes, you can go back on, you can put that on top. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Marked. I think we could all agree that we've all been marked by something in our life. I think we can all agree that even if you are walking with God, even if you are partnered with God, even if you are using the gift that God has given you, that it doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer through some difficult or painful circumstances. You see, being able to patiently endure doesn't mean, you know why Paul is encouraging his church that you've got to learn how to patiently endure? Because he knows that this life is hard. With Jesus, it's still going to be hard. Without Jesus, it's just hopeless. With Jesus, we're still going to walk through some painful circumstances, but we'll never walk through hopeless moments. Without Jesus, we're going to suffer some things and we're going to want to give up. But with Jesus, we can go through some things and we can be encouraged to patiently endure. Why? Because though we can go through some circumstances, though we can go through some painful moments, God wants to teach his church how to endure because we're partnered with God. Jesus had to endure the cross. Paul had to endure a shipwreck. His disciples had to endure. Job had to endure. Ruth had to endure. Listen, every great person in the word of God had to learn how to patiently endure some stuff. And God wants to teach his church how to patiently endure. See, he's looking for some people who have been marked by some stuff. Notice, marked, not defined. I think we can all agree today that we've all gone through some difficult moments. But I want to tell you that these moments, they will mark you, but they will not define you. I want to tell you tonight that there have been a lot of people that I've encountered, even in my own life, where I chose to become a slave to the pain. But I want to tell you this. You were never meant to be a slave to your pain. Your pain was always meant to serve you. 
Your pain was always meant to be the place in which God would want to work through you. Your pain would be the thing, the difficult circumstance, the prison cell, the sleepless nights, the moments you didn't know what was going to happen to your children, the seasons where you didn't know how you were going to pay that mortgage, the moments where you didn't know if your marriage was going to make it. Those were moments that were not going to define you, but there were moments that you had to learn how to patiently endure through those things. Come on, am I speaking to anybody tonight? God is wanting to teach us tonight that he's calling a church that's been marked by some stuff but we have not allowed it to define us but we've allowed those circumstances and those seasons to help us to build what endurance if you're taking notes i want you to write this down prove yourself through purity we're literally just going down these verses here and i love how paul like just writes this out and how the Holy Spirit is just leading Paul through these things. We are partnered with God. We're ambassadors with God. Please don't, don't deny the gift. Don't accept what God has for your life and leave it unwrapped. Allow the gift of God in your life. Listen, allow your freedom. Allow the peace that God brings. Come on, he's the prince of peace. Allow his deliverance for your life. Allow the joy of the Lord. Allow everything that God has given you, the gifts of God, not only to work in your life, but allow them to be a blessing to those around you. Learn how to patiently endure during difficult circumstances. Know that there are moments that, yes, have marked you, but don't allow those moments to define you. Instead, let those moments work for you and serve you and be what? A testimony for you to declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But prove yourself. Paul is here and he's saying, as a church, prove yourself. Through what? Through your purity. Marked, but also holy. We've gone through some stuff, but we've also been able to endure and still be pure through it. You see, I, I want to tell you this. The greatest temptations in your life won't come when you're sitting on the front row of church. They're going to come when you're in that prison cell. The greatest temptations will come when you feel like you are going through your most difficult seasons of life. The enemy knows when to attack you. He knows when to tempt you. But I want to tell you, if we're partnered with God and we're leaned into his word, we can patiently endure. And when we go through those moments, we can prove our what? Our, our, our ambassadorship. We can prove our partnership with God by what? By staying pure. Yeah. It ain't easy, but the church can do it. Paul says, prove yourself through our purity. Our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Prove yourself by your purity, by your understanding, by your patience, by your kindness, and by the Holy Spirit within you. It's funny that when we go through difficult moments, we find I at least find that when I go through hard times, sometimes I can use that as an excuse not to be kind to others. Can I just be real? Like, I had a really bad day. I get home, my wife might ask me a question, and I don't even want to talk about it. She's like, babe, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Which is actually pretty normal because I never know what I want for dinner. But, you know, a lot of times I find that the calamity in my life and the difficult moments in my life, that sometimes I find it harder for me to be kind 
and show love. And can I be honest? Like, sometimes I just miss the mark in certain things. Sometimes I'm not praying as much. Sometimes I'm not in my word as much. Why? Because there have been seasons where I've allowed the calamity to overshadow what God is trying to do in my life. But I'm so encouraged when I read these scriptures and the perspective that we can have, that as men and women of God, that if we can just shift our sights on God, if we can, I could just partner with God, if I could just open and utilize the gift that he's given me. He's already given me his salvation. He's already given me deliverance. The thing that the enemy's trying to do, God's already defeated him. I just have to, what, spend time with the Father. And as I do this, I can prove myself and stay pure through moments. And I can stay kind. And I can stay showing love. Sincere love. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me up here today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It won't be hard or holy. It'll be hard and holy. It's a simple, like, play on words I want you to remember. Because I feel like sometimes we get caught in this idea that just because we have Jesus, it won't ever be hard. That just because your attendance at church has been perfect, that things won't be hard. Please come to church. We highly encourage you to come consistently. It's a good plug. But we think that just because we're in our word and just because we're good with God, that things won't get hard. And that when things get hard, it's an excuse for us not to be holy. But Paul is telling his church in Corinth, he's like, hey, I want you to know that you're going to endure through some stuff. It's not going to be one or the other. It's going to be and. It's going to be hard. It's gonna, you're going to go through some difficult circumstances, but guess what? You also got to stay holy. That's great. And you got to stay pure. And you got to stay kind. Turn to somebody and say, stay kind. Stay kind. And the only way you can do all of that is by allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell in you and to work in you. What's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The very thing that Paul is encouraging his church, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And we need more of it. I need more of it. Our world needs more of it. For the sake of time, I'm just going to close. As we continue to read through these chapters, Paul encourages his church and If you're taking notes, just write this down. Your faith will be your greatest defense. The gift of salvation or the helmet of salvation, right, will be your greatest protection over your mind. And the word of God will be your greatest offense. Your faith is for defense, but the word of God is your offense. If you want to fight back in this season, if you want to learn how to endure, if you want to learn how to continue to run this race, if if you want to throw a punch back at the enemy, you need the word. Most importantly, we need the Holy Spirit to dwell in us so that when we read the word, it'll help to translate things in our life and shine some things in our hearts. Just maybe we'll actually be the church that God is calling us to be. Amen? How many of you want to be partnered with God tonight? And open the gift that God has given you. And learn how to patiently endure. And say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our life. Come on all across this room. Can we stand to our feet?